You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I am your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. Uh, alongside me, as always, for the start of another week is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, uh, another week of footy in the books. Some big performances across the, across the round. Some disappointing games, no doubt. Some dis- disappointing teams and games. Maybe I'll rephrase it that way. But uh, let's not harp too much on the negative. Cause let's kick things off with some positives. We talked about it on Friday. So many first game players potentially named to play. Now, not all of those ones on the Sunday games did play. But man, we got some exciting footy from some young kids. Yeah, we did. And I thought it was a really great weekend of footy. I, I, you know, I don't care what round you go back to in years gone by. There's always a bad game or a stinker or two that are in there. But it started on Friday night. The guy that I love, uh, Quaynor, coming off the halfback flank for the Pies. Collingwood were obviously pretty good in that win over Hawthorne. But he provided some real excitement. Every time he got near the footy, he ran, he carried, he uh, had a couple of bounces. 431 metres gained from his 15 disposals. I thought uh, he was a real standout in a, in a pretty good... Collingwood performance, a bounce-back performance for them. Yeah, uh, he is a guy that, when he was drafted, you know, pretty high pick 13 in 2018. So this is his second season. He hasn't played a huge amount. But I was pretty excited you know, watching his highlights you know, back back then. Um, and good to see him getting that opportunity. That was his first game for the season. 15 disposals, as you mentioned, you know, a ton of, of meters gained. He only played four games last season. He averaged about the same, but he just looked he looked better this year. And I think he's going to be a really, really key uh, rebounding defender. But his teammate in his first game, uh, I thought looked pretty good as well. And that is Artu Bosanovalagi, who had 16 disposals first up. Pretty impressive for both those young guys in a, in a big win for Collingwood. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I, we've got a couple of other names we're going to go through here, but uh, one thing I want to throw at you, when we look at what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks with the AFL in terms of the fixture and p- potentially compressing this, I think that this is going to be the real bonus because teams are going to manage guys. There's going to be ins and outs. We already know there's going to be uh, players lost to injury, and it's unfortunate, but it looks like we're going to start to see uh, the shortened preseason really come into effect and you're going to lose some guys to uh, soft tissue injuries so uh, these young guys coming in they're exciting they play an attacking brand of football uh, I think as fans that's what we want to see Uh, and I thought Collingwood really I mean all the focus coming in was uh, the veterans that they were losing and along with Will Cully as well who went down obviously with a pretty nasty arm injury he was pretty exciting so for Collingwood it really was a breath of fresh air in that team that we all know pretty well I mean it's a veteran laden squad yeah, it is. But seeing those three guys you know, put up some, some really big numbers, and they were the three guys that all came in this week as well. And we talked about Collingwood needing to uh, to do something after a really horror 10-day you know, period or so with those two losses and all the off-field stuff. They needed to change things. They made the changes, and all of the changes worked. Um, yeah, Hawthorne, they're, they're probably a, a different discussion because they were horrible. We'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But yeah, those that, that that's exciting. It's always exciting for your team to win. But for your team to win with young, unheralded type of players, not the Queen is necessarily unheralded considering how high of a draft pick he was, but to have these young guys have such big roles in it, it's, it's a double excitement to me. Yeah, no doubt. Sam Simpson, we spoke about him a little bit on Thursday night. 27 disposals led the game. 
uh, 14 of those contested. He was pretty good. Uh, Vandermeer last night, your guy, not a great night for the dogs, but I think he's a pretty dangerous small forward up there. He's got good hands. He competes pretty well. Lovely kick of the football. Beautiful set shot. Uh, I think that he is one that the dogs have found. We know uh, a lot of the guys in their team, but they've, they've, it's been uh, quite interesting to see that there's still a fair bit of turnover from that premiership team uh, a few years back. And he's a guy that's come in this year, first year, and looked look like a guy that's going to be pretty handy for a while up forward. Bulldogs didn't have one player who played over 200 games in their team last night. The most was Easton Wood at 160, which was pretty wild. And uh, a couple of uh, first-year guys in there in Vandermeer and Louis Butler uh, playing. Uh, Vandermeer was drafted last season, but didn't debut till this year. But this was his best game. He had 14 disposals. He had four shots at goal. He was taking grabs inside 50. He was leading. He made a couple of a couple of mistakes. No, no doubt about that. But I thought he looked really dangerous there. He was providing an option. You mentioned the kicking really strong. Really strong. He laid six tackles last week as well. I mean, that's two really good games in a row. And I highlighted him maybe after his second game, uh, the one against the Giants. And I thought, you know, people were asking, how do we evaluate young guys? It's not just about numbers. And I said, Vandermeer got the ball, took a guy on, sidestepped him, took a bounce and ran forward in his second game. I go, that's what I want to see. And you've seen that development. He was really impressive for me last night in a game that uh, not many of the Bulldogs players could really uh, keep their heads held all that high. I thought Vandermeer was, it was super impressive. And, uh, you know, taking on that role that's been vacated by the injured Sam Lloyd. Lockie Schultz kicked the game winner. I want to talk about Frio a little bit later on. I, I love that game. Fremantle-St. Kilda was maybe my favorite game for the weekend. I uh, really enjoyed that one. So we'll touch on the Dockers. They've got a bunch of young guys that are in. But let, let's get to the main event. Let's yeah. stop messing around. We're burying the lead. Let's get to let's get to Isaac Rankin because I mentioned on Friday's podcast that it's uh, you know an unfortunate luxury that you have to take advantage of. But the fact that you lose a player like Matt Rao who's been so dominant inside around the contested footy. Uh, we've already said arguably uh, or possibly leading the, the Brownlow medal uh, at this point that he went down uh, last week against the Cats. So they bring in Isaac Rankin. And they were talking before the game. I can't remember who was on the sidelines actually for this game, but uh, they mentioned a couple of times that he's been likened to Andrew McLeod. Now, of course, I mean, that's I can certainly see it. He's a guy that's going to be able to run and carry the ball. But all I could see when I was watching this guy play Three goals, three from 12 disposals in the night. All I could think of, the way he was finishing every time he was around the ball that you would have been terrified of your Melbourne fan, it was just Cyril Rioli for me. Yeah, it was. And that, I think that first goal that he kicked, um, you, you've uh, uh, written a question here in the notes, what was your favorite goal? The first one, <laughs> where he grabbed it off the pack and then that just that quick sidestep. Um, and look, it, it reminded me a little bit of... The, the, the goal, the, the execution, the finish over that goal that Toby Green kicked last week where he had that mark yeah. disallowed and then just kicked it over his shoulder. Like Rankin is a guy, and, and I talked about this last week as well. So I watched him in the JLT last year and went, oh, shit, like, this guy, this guy's good. Like there, There's a lot here. Then we just didn't see him. And the hype for him coming out of the draft was massive. I remember that draft year, I went through and watched a ton of highlights of all of those draftees. And watching his uh, SANFL stuff was impressive. He has got massive raps on him, but it's been you know, pushed to the background because we just haven't seen him play. And now we can't. And people thought that legitimately he was he was the best player in that draft. Um, he he went at number three. That was of course with Sam Walsh going at one. That, the top seven of that draft is ludicrous. You got King, yeah. Bailey Smith, Walsh, Rosie. Um, now now uh, Rankin stepping up in there as well. So absolute stud players in there. I thought he looked super impressive for a first game. He's going to have some ups and downs, but the talent for this guy, the junior evaluators, junior evaluators talking about him. And talking about him in a level of performances that they really haven't seen before, or the, the talent level is something that they go, this guy is almost a can't-miss future star player. 
and really hard to argue that after seeing game one. Yeah, the Suns went down eventually. I, I reckon we might talk about this game a little bit more uh, as the week goes on. We haven't got it on the run sheet today, but again, really entertaining game. I thought Melbourne uh, really showed something, and they needed to because they were under the pressure late in this game, and it was all ranking. I mean, the, the Suns actually had a couple of opportunities to take the lead in this one. He missed a couple of set shots, uh, but again, I mean, you just knew if the ball went inside 50, your eyes straight away were looking for this guy. Where is he? What's he going to do this time? And invariably, he did something. And you just don't see that. I was trying to think of, of games, first games, where guys have had an impact like that. I'm honestly not sure for a young guy to come into the team and play that way. And I did write which rank and goal was your favorite from the weekend because I think he had three legitimate. Maybe you know, maybe the third one was pretty stock standard, rove the tap. But I think reading the ball off the hands of the opposition ruckman, I, I think it was still a pretty damn impressive goal. You mentioned the first one. So let's talk about the, the second one, the soccer goal wasn't just the soccer off the ground. It was the first little kick to himself. So he fumbled. He was under extreme pressure. Had hands all over him as he's trying to uh, possess the ball. Uh, the ball hit the deck. And rather than bend over, which would have resulted in him being tackled, 100%. He would have got tackled. He probably would have got brought to ground. Instead, just a little toe poke out to space to himself. He knew exactly what he was doing. And then to turn and finish. I mean, how many times do we see guys uh, have a... Have a attempt at goal off the ground and they try and soccer it through and it sprays out of bounds on the full or it goes through for a behind uh, it was completely controlled it was completely intentional from the first little toe poke uh, to the final goal it, it was it was ridiculous it was absolutely ridiculous and again uh, i say it again he, he just he just to me just looked like silrioli playing up forward and we'll see i envisage him it's at, at, certainly at some point moving up the ground a little bit more but geez if he's a guy that the suns are just going to say listen just chill out in the forward 50 for a while here man uh, they're going to be pretty scary. Yeah, so if you thought that there was a, you know, you should stop watching the Suns because Matt Rowe's pretty much done for the year, like, <laughs> think again. You've got Rankin, Noah Anderson, Lukosius. There's a, yeah. a lot of fun stuff happening with the Gold Coast Suns, which is great for them because that's not something we've been able to say all that often over the course of their existence in the AFL. Um, Kane, it's time. Under pressure. Who's under pressure for you? Well, let's talk about the Hawks a little bit. Uh, they now sit in 13th spot, and we know how volatile the ladder is right now. So, I mean, you can uh, you can jump from uh, well outside the A to just about in the top four in any given week at the moment with everyone still so bunched up. The Hawks sit 13th because of their percentage. They got uh, smacked around a little bit against Collingwood on Friday night. So the 84.4% uh, hurts them. There's no question about that. We know they came off a big loss last week against GWS as well. But having said that, they're only one game out of second. So it's not full panic stations yet, but the reason I think that they're under pressure is uh, not for the obvious reason that you've, you've seen all over the TV on the weekend that they're too old. I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think those guys have plenty of footy left in them. I think it comes down to a, a personnel issue with the Hawks right now. We spoke about the back line a lot, and at times it's worked. And I think you have to acknowledge the, the teams that Hawthorne have played. So I've already mentioned uh, Collingwood and GWS, but they also played... Uh, Geelong in there, they've played Brisbane. They've had a really, really difficult schedule to this point. There's there's just no denying that. So maybe when things start to loosen up a little bit, they can get rolling, and that would not surprise me at all. But I still just think that it's a little bit concerning for Hawthorne. When you looked at that team on Friday night and you looked at that game, and it was so obvious that Sean Burgoyne was not playing in this game. Because the guy's 38 years old. He's fantastic. We know that. He's one of the best ball users in the game still, even at his age. But they shouldn't miss him as much as they did. 
And I, I think that the problem for them is that they had no no issue in, in finding the footy, but they weren't able to, to make that killer blow. They weren't able to execute that kick that put them in scoring position. Because as far as the possession game goes, we know that Collingwood coming into this game were plus 50 in disposals per game against Hawthorne. Uh, they only won that count by 16 in this one. But the Hawks had uh, all the uncontested footy. They led the marks count 100 to 59, but marks inside 50 uh, only 7 to 6. So they had plenty of the footy, but they just weren't able to do anything with it. And I think it all comes down to uh, they don't have guys with the elite ball use. And, and, and I think that that's going to be something that they're going to look at. I think it starts with the back line with the tall guys that, that just aren't able to use the ball at an elite level. And I think it forces them into playing slow tempo footy. In 2020, it's just hard to score. Well, this is, this is the, the problem with MSK. In terms of scoring four this year, points four, they're 13th. But that is with Essendon and Melbourne playing one fewer game. And Essendon only sits 20 points behind them in terms of scoring. So you can imagine they're at least in 14th. Melbourne is 60 behind them, so maybe they wouldn't jump ahead. But yeah, let's say they're 14th in points scored. Points against, on the other hand, they've allowed the third most amount of points against them so far. And that's obviously not a, a recipe for success. We've talked about that back line. It had success against Long. But Collingwood said, well, we know how to beat this. Like, well, we know what to do here. We're just going to go short and then just find targets around it and not allow your big guys to get to contests. And they got, they got carved up. And when we have this concern about their back line, they're too big, there's not enough, where are the small guys? And then they also go out there and yeah, leak the third most amount of points in the entire league. And yeah, number one there is Adelaide. Number two is Carlton, who is playing a much more up-tempo. And Carlton's a positive. Carlton's you know, 423, 4-4-11 again. So they are a higher-tempo game, higher-tempo team. When Hawthorne's allowing that many more points, then something needs to change in that back line, I think. And Collingwood, not only, not they didn't give the blueprint because they're a good team, and not every team's going to be able to execute that. But they show, well, if you're going to be big, we'll just go around these guys, and they have no impact in the game whatsoever. Yeah, so again... Uh, when we look at the the tall backlines, not necessarily that these guys aren't good one-on-one defenders because they are, and, and at times they've been able to slow teams down. But the problem is that you have to be able to attack because if you can't attack once you get the ball with these contested markers that they have, uh, James Sisley was fantastic on Friday night against Collingwood. But think about Ben McAvoy, James Frawley, Sam Frost. If they take these intercept marks, they're not going to be guys that are going to say, okay, well, now I'm going to wheel around and I'm going to uh, use the ball really damaging by foot and create attack. They don't do that. Their first option is to back back and either look for a handball or a kick sideways. And by that point, it's too late. So Sam Frost is the guy I'm looking at. If I'm looking at, a, at an odd one out, to me, it's him. He's been fantastic in one-on-ones. He's only lost one one-on-one out of 12 this season. So as a competitor and as a, a defender, he's AFL standard. Absolutely, for sure, he is. He's athletic. He's really quick. We know that. But he doesn't use the ball well. He's only using it 52% by foot. So I think Hawthorne will benefit from Sean Burgoyne coming in. but they And I don't know. I mean, the Hawthorne fans that are listening to this, who are the guys that can come in that can use the ball by foot and create some spark and create some some run and some ball movement? Because at the moment, if you play slow footy, you're going to find it impossible to score. And, and you know, we know. That was the lowest score, uh, I believe, they've had under Clark. Shortened quarters, of course, uh, make an impact there. But it was tough to watch because they, they always had the footy. They just couldn't do anything with it. Um. You mentioned it. he's only lost one contest out of 12, but that means in six games, he's had two one-on-one contests. So that, yeah, that, that's yeah. great. Like You're not getting beaten in those one-on-one contests, but when you're not doing anything else and you're not, you know, you're not yeah. able to use the ball, is it actually 
is it worth it? And that, that's and I think they've really got to be looking at that now. My team that's under pressure for this week is North Melbourne. Now we thought oh, North Melbourne out flying two and zero, big win against the Giants, and they've lost four straight. They lost to the Swans at Marvel. They lost to Hawthorne. They got smacked by the Bulldogs, and they lost to Essendon. And they started off that game against Essendon pretty well. They had a couple of early shots. They played well, but when we look at it. They could easily be on one win here. They beat St. Kilda in round one after a massive comeback and got over the line by, by two points there, right? They they may not have, yeah, even, yeah, you could say they didn't deserve that win or that was a lucky win because anytime it's a close margin, it is a little bit lucky. So they're, they're in real trouble. Um, they were terrible against the Bulls. They improved this week against Essendon, but you know what? Where are they at? Like they are, they have to be under pressure here after that Giants win to not really to to give up massive winnable games um, and and get destroyed in other ones. Um, it's a real problem. Yeah, I mean, I, when I think about North Melbourne, I, I try and think who their best players are, and you come to the same guys that that have been there for a long time. And Zebel and Cunnington obviously didn't play in this game, uh, but then you think of Todd Goldstein, who's having a fantastic season, but. Uh, clearly, he's not in the age demographic of a lot of these young guys they're trying to bring into the side. Sean Higgins has been around for you know 14, 14 years or so. He's still elite when he gets the ball in hand. But I think that for them, there's a real mix now between the young guys and the older guys. That there, there doesn't seem to be any real direction. I thought Aaron Hall was pretty good on Saturday night, and Jai Simpkins obviously having a fantastic season for North Melbourne. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know as a team what they're trying to what they're trying to what they're trying to do. I mean, they get the ball up forward. Ben Brown's obviously having a really rough time of it. Unless he gets a goal out the back, he's not playing as the lead-up player that we've seen in in the past uh, because there's too many people in front of him. And and guys know that. That's how you stop Ben Brown now. Cut off those avenues for him to lead up at the footy. Uh, they're tough to watch. North Melbourne are one of the the hardest teams to watch at the moment. It's it's not very exciting footy. What, the, I think we've got to have questions about selection from the result. Like the Cunnington selection last week was a disaster. That did not work. And then this week, they bring in Tom Campbell. You talk about age demographic. Like he's 28 years of age. He hasn't got to 50 games yet in his career. Like I watched him really intently at the Bulldogs, and he would play a really good quarter, often the first quarter of a game, and then disappear. But how many 200 centimeter blokes do you want to play? Like that's two 200 centimeter guys in that forward line playing on the Gold Coast with slippery conditions with the humidity up there. That ground gets really slippery. You got Goldstein in the ruck, and you got Campbell and Brown playing up in the forward line. Like what? What are we doing? Like what is the idea behind having? And Brown, we know, is out of sorts. Um, so why are we adding another big guy there who can't really move very well, who is going to clog some space up? I, I, I think. I think. Selection is a real questionable uh, thing here. Yeah, it's been interesting to look at North Melbourne over the last couple of years. I mentioned Aaron Hall already, but even other guys like Jasper Pittard, Jared Polak, like they've gone pretty hard in recruiting, trying to bring uh, players in, which would give you the indication that they think that they're thereabouts or a team that can can contend for, you know, maybe pushing up to top four or somewhere around there. They don't look like it. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's tough for Reece Shaw. He's come in, obviously had a quick start. Uh, last year, they get the win in round one, but uh, he's, he's, I don't know, I just, I don't know about the ruse. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on. And as far as Ben Cunnington, the only thing I could put that down to, like I said, it's such a close uh, season this year that they, they are already one game out of the eight, which is yeah. crazy to think about. So they bring him in last week, they think, okay, if we can pick up a win here, then we're right back in the game. And also, uh, you have to mention, these close games are going to come back to bite teams. We were just talking about the Hawks. Uh, the Roos obviously had a pretty late comeback against them and lost by under a goal as well. So 
uh, those those close losses can really come back to bite you as well, which is worth noting. Curtis Taylor was the rising star nominee the week before. Yeah, like he, he was really good against the Bulldogs, and then he had four touches in this game. So that hurts a little bit when that young players are going to have that inconsistency. Taron Thomas again got got hurt early on in this one. Was hurt last week. Yeah, there. Look on a positive note, Jai Simkin really really good. Like he's had a fantastic season. Aaron Hall was good this week. He wasn't that good last week. But you know, on the positive side, Simkin looks good. But it's just some selection issues and some these other players. It's just. Josh Walker, like, where's he at? Marley Williams had five touches as a halfback. Like, if your role is to be that halfback that's running out there and and setting up your attack, you can't have five touches. You can't have one kick, and that's what Marley Williams did in this game. So, there's obviously some some worries with some of these players. They are missing Zebul. They're obviously missing Cunnington as well. But they uh, after that stirring win against GWS, it has been uh, bad since then. I don't think there's any two ways about that. Yeah, Curtis Taylor obviously introduced pretty heavily to uh, Dylan Shields' shoulder uh, early early in that game as well, and, and looks like Shields going to miss a couple of games there. But instead of the negatives, what about the things we loved? Uh, I'll let you go first here because I mentioned this right off the top, but outside of one pretty ordinary game of footy, I thought we saw some really attacking, fun, enjoyable, entertaining games uh, across the weekend, and there was a couple of uh, results that uh, I tell you, again, I'm glad I'm not doing footy tipping. Let me just say that. Well, this is, yeah, the things that we loved for this week. Now, this is me doing my very best to be an impartial (laughs) podcast host because the two teams I want to put, and I had to put two teams in here to soften the blow of talking about this because the two things that I loved from a neutral perspective was Carlton, and yes, they beat my Bulldogs, so that's why it's hard, and Essendon, who I absolutely hate. As a Western Bulldogs fan going to school in Essendon my whole life, you can understand why I have the issue there, but I think we have to acknowledge Carlton scoring 100 points. They were they were really strong. They figured out wet weather footy early on in that game, which the Bulldogs didn't do. They um, withstood the surge that the Bulldogs put through in the second and third quarter, and then, of course, they kicked away at the end, but there was... yeah. Levi Casbolt was pinging goals from 60 meters out. We had Cade Simpson, you know, 40 points up, diving to touch balls on the line. It, you know, Cripps was injured in this game. Like he hurt his shoulder. He wasn't at full capacity. Sam Walsh didn't do a huge amount. Um, Doherty was relatively well held, and they still got a huge win over a Bulldogs team that had won three in a row. So while we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and it wasn't on the back of you know, massive, you know, plays from, as I said, Walsh didn't do a huge amount. It wasn't young guys stepping up. It was just a really, really strong, solid team performance. Eddie Betts was great in this one as well. Um, Petrovsky Seaton, I thought, did some some nice things. Jack Martin took some great inside 50 marks. He's been a fantastic pickup. Pitnet was unbelievable. And, and he, we talked about pronouncing Pitnet, and you said, oh, you heard Jason Dunstall say Pitnet. <laughs> and then I heard uh, Dermot Burton call him Pitnet, so that's how I knew it was Pitnet. So... <laughs> Yeah, he was exactly. he was great as well. Plenty of clearances in there, and yeah, looks he's the number one ruckman now because Cruz is out, but it gives them another option. Really fantastic stuff from Carlton, and I just again wanted to mention Essendon because last week I talked about the team that I thought might drop out of the eight, and I had Essendon as that number, or as that team that might be at risk outside of Gold Coast, and but Essendon came out, did what they needed to do against uh, against North Melbourne. And you know, has been really impressive. Like they are sitting fourth on the ladder. They are four and one with the one game in hand. And yeah, just again beat Collingwood last week. Beat, beat North Melbourne this week. Um, yeah, did it the way that they needed to do it. And they're doing it without their captain. So really impressive from Essendon and Carlton this week. Yeah, listen, I, I thought the dogs pretty unlucky, uh, or pretty lucky, I should say, to miss out on under pressure because I thought that they were pretty awful. And you you touched. You touched on it there. I thought the Carlton just wanted it more. And once the rain came down, Carlton were more desperate 
and they were cleaner inside 50. But they also just uh, seemed to, to be willing to continue to fight. And we saw multiple goals that Carlton got out of uh, really nothing but just like, okay, I'm going to hit this contest. Now I'm going to hit this contest. And the, and the numbers just overwhelmed the dogs and they were able to get easy goals. I thought the, the doggies were pretty scrappy inside 50. Uh, certainly one guy that, that struggled that comes to mind, Ed Richards, had a couple of opportunities to finish it and yeah, missed out. It wasn't a great because, night. <laughs> because the Blues, if you look at it, points against this season, there's only one team in the entire league that uh, has had more score kicked against them. And that's Adelaide. And and we're really almost at the point where we're disregarding Adelaide from all team stats because that's how far behind they are in everything. But Carlton have been able you've been able to score against the Blues. That's one thing you've been able to do. The doggies weren't able to do that. I think the conditions played uh, a big factor in that. We know the doggies like to flick it around and I, I think the rain hurt them. I think they should have gone probably to more wet weather footy and just pushed the ball forward because that's what the Blues were willing to do. But Carlton, hey, come on. It's going to feel good for them. They've won a game by one point. They've won a game by two points. They actually got to relax in the fourth quarter for the first time this season. They're in the eight for the first time since 2013, which is just absolutely wild. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to the Blues. That was a nice win uh, for them against the Dogs. And now they're rewarded with a game against Port Adelaide this week. So uh, we'll see because Port Adelaide looked pretty damn good on the weekend in their win against GWS. For mine, I love Frio. I texted you straight after this game and said, we're going to talk about Frio on Monday because uh, last week we spoke a little bit uh, about Frio's young players and we've said, listen, this is a team that's been really competitive so far this season. They hadn't picked up the win until they faced uh, Adelaide, but they were they were giving teams a challenge for three quarters. Consistently doing that, I think with a young team, that's all you can ask for. They brought Nat Five back in this game. Uh, again, I mean, you took about questionable he was not not right he didn't he didn't look good and i I think this became even more scary for Fremantle fans uh, when he spent basically the whole second half standing in the goal square because he couldn't move they'd already lost uh two players hayden young really really early a damaging good ball using uh young player and then sean darcy to that uh incident with ben long we'll probably talk about the bump a little bit more uh, as the week goes on but Fremantle for mine uh, they controlled the footy really well. And they were down by 36 points a quarter time. And I was actually on the ladder trying to figure out percentage-wise how much the Saints could could climb and what how, how big this win was going to be for them. Because remember, coming into the week, they were in the top four. So I was thinking, my goodness, the Saints are looking great. I think in the end, St Kilda were done by not being able to revert to a defensive style of play. They haven't had to do it this season because they've been largely front-running. And Fremantle just controlled the footy. And uh, and won the uncontested possessions, 182 to 151. The marks, 89 to 66. Their disposal efficiency as a team went up to 78% from 74% on the season. And once they got rolling, it wasn't out of control. It was all controlled. They got the ball on the halfback flank, uh, direct kicks, uh, guys running through the middle all over the place. Michael Walters was was absolutely fantastic. And the young guys, Andrew Brayshaw, is a real bull. He's a good contested footy-winning player. Brett Brulee, uh, Adam Chera. Uh, Darcy Tucker, I mean, you can just keep going. The young names, a lot of guys that if you haven't watched the Dockers a lot, you would have been watching and wondering who the hell all these guys are. But Fremantle are competitive. And now uh, the the big thing for them is that they get to go home for an extended period of time. It starts with the derby. That's going to be really difficult. But they're going to be playing in front of a lot of fans. This is going to be a boost for them. And I think if you go to Optus Stadium to take on the Dockers, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, Um that was so, so impressive. Like that first quarter was horrible, but the way that they just kept fighting back and yeah. fighting back, yeah. um, I, it was so so impressive to watch uh, watch them do that. And uh, then then they got up, and then St Kilda fought back, and then they they steadied, and, and we saw that again from um, 
Yeah, Shields to kick that sealer. And Darcy Tucker's a name that I mentioned last week. Ran really, really high up on the pressure scale. He had another pretty strong game, another 15 disposals, another 15 pressure acts as well. I think he's in the top 20 in the AFL in total pressure acts. Uh, so yeah, really providing that, that forward pressure. And he, he was pretty good. And again, with those injuries. And Hayden Young's been someone who's been really key for this team as a yep. marking, intercept, rebounding uh, halfback. And he was gone straight away. And yeah, just impressive stuff. We saw Caleb Sarong, who struggled a little bit, took a big grab uh, down the forward line. We saw Blake Akers make his uh, Fremantle debut. But again, they're doing it with no five. Well, yeah, half a five. He still kicked two goals, but he wasn't a midfield guy. To do it with Stephen Hill being a little bit quiet with two injuries with um, yeah, Matt Taberner not being... You know, he, he was okay, but I wouldn't say he was completely dominant. I thought it was just impressive to see them just continually work at it and claw back and show that... Um I guess fortitude to to not to not give in, and we, that's something we have stressed all season: is how how strong they have been, how much they've fought, even if they've been undermanned, and how good they've been despite not getting those wins. And that was that's huge for them. And so they've got a, a real chance coming up here, as you mentioned. Oh, they've done a great job. I think back to round one, they were at Marvel against Essendon as well. Same thing, down by a lot. They came back. They only lost by three points. So uh, they haven't been at home at all. <laughs> so. Uh, this is now a great opportunity for them. When you look at it, yeah, 0-4, you're like, okay, this is this is a rough start uh, for Justin Longmuir and the Dockers. But now you sit and they say, okay, well, they've played six games. They haven't been home once, and they come back 2-4. and four. Not bad at all. It doesn't get much easier for them when you consider that uh, West Coast, Geelong, and Collingwood are coming up over the next three weeks. But still, uh, if I was either, any of those teams going back there, and as I said, the fan, the fan factor is going to be big. At this stage still, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, I, I'm really hesitant to to lock in anything, but they're talking 30,000 fans. If that's the case, that's going to be a big boost for these uh, for these two teams going forward. So, Freya, I think they've been I think they've been really impressive. And when you look at the other team that was 0 and 4 at the time, Adelaide, uh, that's not a team that you that that are ever going to come back from six goals down because they they don't seem willing to to put in the effort. But that's not the concern with the Dockers. Uh, they've been fun. They've been fun to watch. That Freo St Kilda game. Um, my favourite game of the weekend. Oh, no doubt that was my favourite game as well. And one final thing on Frio that's important to note is when they got the ball, they were just really clean with it. 78% yeah. disposal versus 72 for St Kilda. And I think that's also reflected in the fact that they had uh, 75% of their goals assisted because they were just spotting blokes up. Like they were getting the ball and hitting targets. And it wasn't from scramble balls. It wasn't from luck. It was just like, we are working the ball. We're hitting our targets and we're finding the guy open and he's kicking a goal. And when you can do that, it's really, really hard to stop. You've got to be able to stop it up the field. But if these guys are moving the ball with that level of precision and then hitting those targets on direct assists, it's really tough to stop. And that's really how they got back into the game is by just being clean and working hard to get their hands on the ball and then using it once they got it. Um, yeah, guys like Brayshaw and H, 85 and 89%. Like that, that is yeah, Bewley, 94%. Ryan, 93%. Like these are these are big, big numbers from these guys in terms of efficiency. So that was super impressive from Fremantle. It was super impressive from you as well, Kane. Another Monday episode of Locked On AFL in the books. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking footy with me. I did my absolute best. I, I think I've still got plenty left in the tank for tomorrow. That's good. Don't uh, don't go too hard. We're going short in quarters here, guys. Don't forget subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Five star reviews on Apple Podcasts always appreciated. And I'm going to leave you today with a shout out to. Anthony Rock.